at, uh, let's see here, Jeremiah chapter 4. Look, let's start in verse 14. Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 14. The Bible says, O Jerusalem, wash thine heart from wickedness, that thou mayest be saved. How long shall thy vain thoughts lodge within thee? For a voice declareth from Dan and publisheth affliction from Mount Ephraim. Make ye mention to the nations. Behold, publish against Jerusalem that watchers come from a far country and give out their voice against the cities of Judah. As keepers of a field are they against her round about. Because she hath been rebellious against me, saith the Lord. And I'm, I'm particularly interested in verse number 18 this morning. And Jeremiah says, Thy way and thy doings have procured these things unto thee. This is thy wickedness because it is bitter. Because it reacheth unto thine heart. Wow. Man, I read that several weeks ago. I came across that verse. I've been working a little bit in Jeremiah, studying Jeremiah. And I came across that verse and I thought, man, what a verse. What a verse. Uh, Brother Timothy and I had already been talking about this, this whole idea of bitterness and, and sharing some verses. And I came across that verse. Thy way and thy doings have procured. That word procured means they brought these things to thee. Have procured these things unto thee. This is thy wickedness because it is bitter, because it reacheth. Unto thine heart. I want to talk to you just a few minutes about that subject, bitterness, a spiritual heart condition. I'm going to teach a little bit today, and we'll preach some, I'm sure, because I just can't help myself sometimes. But we're, we're going to teach, try to teach a little bit today. We're going to use our Bibles some today. I just want you to keep your Bibles open and handy. You may be seated this morning. And let's pray and ask God to help us, and we'll jump right into this this morning. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for church. And Lord, what a, what a blessing it is for me to be here today. What a privilege. What an honor. Thank you so much. And God, I thank you for the great music. And now, Lord, I pray that you'll, and I pray that you have prepared our hearts to receive thy word. We pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Heavenly Father, for your presence. And I pray that the Spirit of God would have liberty to work in hearts today. Lord, truth of the matter is, there's nothing about this preacher that's going to change a life today. There's really nothing about a, although we've had some great singing, there's nothing about a singer that's going to change a life. But if the Spirit of God could use these things, then Lord, really, really, and literally, this service could be a transforming day for somebody's life. I mean, this could really, this could, could change the direction of someone's life. And I pray that's what will happen. I pray that Christ will receive glory from it. We ask you for your help now. In Jesus' name, we pray. And for his wonderful sake, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Bitterness is so serious because bitterness finally reaches the heart. And that's what Jeremiah was saying there. This is thy wickedness. And he said, because it is bitter, because it reacheth unto thine heart. It's why bitterness must be dealt with immediately. Through the years, 
I was uh, I was visiting over with Miss Christine yesterday evening, and her sister was there with her, and she said, Preacher, did you have a hard time finding your way in? And although I definitely do understand why she would ask that question, I said, No, ma'am. I said, I have been to this place so many times. I said, and I'm a routine guy. I said, I park in the same place every time. I go in the same door every time. And I said, No, ma'am, I didn't. But I said, I certainly understand why you would. This is a... Uh, a, a city uh, all in its own. But, but as many times as I've been to the hospital, there's been a few times when I have uh, been called to, uh, to the side of someone that's having a problem with blood clots. And I thought about this. And some of you know what I'm talking about. You've had a problem with uh, a blood clot. One of the first things that they'll do is they will bring you into the hospital and almost immediately they'll get you started on blood thinner. And the whole idea behind that is, is they, wanna, they want to dissolve that blood clot before it makes its way to the heart. Because if that blood clot comes loose and begins to move in your bloodstream and makes its way to your heart, it can be a very fatal, fatal condition. I wrote this down. Bitterness is a heart shock. It really is. Did you know there's, uh, there, there's really no coming back? And that's what Jeremiah was saying here in Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse number 18. There's no coming back from that kind of a wound. I, uh, uh, a number of years ago, I'm not a deer hunter anymore. Most, a lot of you guys uh, still deer hunt, and I'm not a deer hunter anymore, but we used to get into hunting a lot when I was uh, a little earlier in my days. And, and uh, never forget, my brother-in-law's here today. He can testify to this. I, this is not a, a, a figment of my imagination. But the biggest buck I ever killed was on Thanksgiving night. And, uh, man, it was. I mean, I've killed some bucks here and there, but this buck was not just any other buck. This was a big buck. It was a monster buck. Beautiful, beautiful eight-pointer. And, uh, man, a beautiful rack on its head, a lot of mass. And, I mean, just a, it was, a, it was, a, uh, it was a, a monster. It really was. And I'll never forget that night. Uh, we had hunted that evening on Thanksgiving and, and uh uh, and I remember that, uh, you know, not a whole lot happened. It got dark. I mean, really, it was almost completely dark. In fact, uh, I could hear my, uh, uh, I, I knew sort of where my father-in-law was hunting at, where my brother-in-laws were hunting at, and I, I could hear some of the, some of them have already, had already gotten down, and they were walking up through the woods, and I could hear them. And, well, while they were walking up through the woods, I could hear something else coming down through the woods. And, and I thought, man, that don't sound like a person. That sounds like a deer. And so sure enough, man, here he came. And it was, and you deer hunters know what I'm talking about. It was dark, but I, could, I still had enough light that was gathering through that scope that I could see that buck. And he walked down behind my, my deer stand, and, and I got turned around with that old 308 Remington, and she was deadly. I'm telling you, she was deadly. And I don't mean the shooter was deadly, but the gun was deadly. I'm telling you, the gun was, wasn't it? That's the best shooting gun we ever had. And uh, we, we first got that gun, and we were target practicing one day, and, and uh, we set up a can, a, a drink can uh, down there, and we were shooting in the bottom of a drink can. And so we shot, and we hit it. Well, we shot again, but we didn't find a second hole. And we shot again. And we knew we didn't miss it, but we couldn't find a second hole. And my father-in-law said, I know we didn't miss that. Well, my father-in-law whipped out his rule that he always carried in his pocket. We went down to that can, and every time we shot, the hole got a little bigger every time. 
we were shooting in the same hole. That's how true that gun was. That buck came in behind the deer stand there, and my brother-in-laws were already walking up through the woods, and so it about scared the living daylights out of them, you know. And uh, but I shot that buck, and that buck, that buck ran just a few, just a few feet, and he fell over. Man, we ran down there. We were screaming and hollering, and we could, we were shining lights. You could see those big horns sticking up. Man, we were all excited. And anyway, later on that night, we dressed that buck, and uh, and my father-in-law said, "Look at this," and that. That buck's heart literally was split in two pieces. Yeah, what can I say? You know, I, and uh, now, wait a minute. You know what? The truth of the matter is, that buck wasn't going anywhere. He couldn't go anywhere. You know why? Because it was a heart shot. He went just a few feet, and he fell over completely dead. I said that to say this. That's what bitterness does. Bitterness is a heart shot. When you allow bitterness to come into your life, you know what? You're not going very far. You're not going very far in your ministry. By the way, you're not going very far in your marriage. You're not going to go very far in your family. You're not going to go very far in your job. The truth of the matter is that bitterness is a heart shot. Adrian Rogers, and I love to hear Adrian Rogers. Adrian Rogers said this. He said, bitter people are like a porcupine. They have a lot of good points but they're very difficult to be around. It's true. He said this. He said that bitter people are like an iceberg, off and off by themselves, away from everybody and everything. And he said most of their problem is hidden underneath. He said that bitter people are like a crybaby, always crying. It's always about them. That's, how, that, that, that's what bitterness does. Now I want you to take your Bibles this morning and we're going to turn away from Jeremiah. Now I want you to turn over to your New Testament this morning and turn over to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12. And I want you to find verse number 15 this morning. Very familiar passage of Scripture for some of you. Hebrews chapter 12. And look, if you will, at verse number 15. And notice, I believe probably the Apostle Paul was the writer of the book of Hebrews. And notice what Paul challenges, or the Holy Spirit at least, challenges us concerning Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 15. He said, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Here it is. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. That word trouble, when it says trouble you, the word trouble there means to crowd in. It means to annoy. Uh, and I was trying to think about you know, what, what, what the Bible's trying to teach us there. And so uh, immediately when I saw, I went back and I, I, I looked to see what the word trouble really meant. And it means to crowd into annoy. And immediately my mind went to a story. Uh, a couple years ago when uh, uh, Zach and, and Samuel and myself, we went to Los Angeles and Zach and Amber had raised their support and they were getting ready to go to, uh, to uh, start uh, housekeeping in, in Los Angeles and we're going to make that official move. Well, Brother Zach and I and Samuel, we flew to Los Angeles and, and we began to go around and look at some different places that they could uh, uh, live and that kind of thing. And so anyway, while we were there and we got, got the place solidified that they felt like they were going to move to, Zach said, Dad, let me take you to the city. 
He said, let's go to Los Angeles, downtown. He said, I'm going to show you the city. And he said, I know what would be neat. He said, let's catch the metro down to the subway. And then he said, we'll catch the subway into the city. And I said, well, that sounds like a good idea. And so that's what we did. We went down to New Hall uh, there uh, close to Santa Clarita, and we caught the metro. And that's a, and, and some of you have ridden the metro. That's a nice experience. It's a two-story train. and You can ride up above or down below, and it's not too bad. But anyway, it took us into the city there. And, uh, and then we went down uh, into the subway complex to get on the subway. Well, when we got on the subway, it was already very, very crowded. Uh, over 10 million people live in the Los Angeles County area there. And so as we got on the subway, it was, it was already crowded. And so uh, how many have ever ridden a subway before? You know what I'm talking about? And uh, uh, it can get a little uncomfortable. Well, what we didn't realize was is that it was right about the time that Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump were competing against one another uh, for the presidency and that kind of thing. And we didn't realize that there was a major national women's march in downtown Los Angeles, California that day. And so we were on the subway, and we came to a stop, and, you know, two million people got on. And, uh, and, uh, and I thought, man, this is, you know, this is really getting a little, my, my wife don't like me to get this close to ladies, you know, other than her. Uh, um, for that matter, I don't want to be this close to men, you know. And so we went to the next stop. Two more million people got on. And, and, I, and, and literally, I mean, literally, man, we, it's like we've got our face up against the window. I mean, you can't breathe. I mean, you're hoping people wore deodorant that day. I mean, it's that bad, honestly. I mean, it's that bad. Whether you want to be up against somebody or not, you're up against them. And, uh, and I'm thinking, wait a minute now, I'm, I'm watching. I'm watching the little, little map. I know where we're going. And I know how many more stops we got to make. And we're just getting started. And so we go to the next stop, and I mean literally a hundred more people got on. And, and it's getting more crowded and more crowded. And this is what I'm thinking. You know, country boy, you can go to North Carolina. I'm thinking when we get to the next stop, the people are going to see that the subway car is completely filled and they are not going to get on. I was not thinking right. We got the next stop, those doors open, and literally, you know what? They just push. I mean, they just push. And so, man, they just shove in. And, man, I'm, I'm honestly, we're like this right here. <laughs> oh, I wish you could have seen it, man. It was, uh, uh, it was something else. And just, you know what? Now, I thought about this. It, it made that trip very awkward. It was almost annoying I mean, people were right. I mean, there was no personal space left. People were literally just packed in there like a bunch of sardines. It was an annoying and an uncomfortable trip. And that's what the Bible says. That when you allow bitterness to come into your life, it's going to make for a very awkward and annoying trip. You're not going to be able to go through life like Brother Gary was talking about this morning where you have joy and you have, you have a happiness. You know what? Bitterness makes you very uncomfortable. It's to crowd in, to annoy. It makes a very unpleasant life. Now, several things I want to say this morning about this thing of bitterness. Number one, I wrote this down. Bitterness, first of all, bitterness troubles you spiritually. How many know this? That you can't pray like you should when bitterness is present. Psalm 66, 18 says this, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. 
Hey, did you know something, church? Did you know it's hard to pray when you're bitter? Did you know it's hard to go in the prayer closet and experience the presence of God and pray like you know you ought to pray when you know you're bitter? Am, am I making a contact this morning? When you know that you're bitter against somebody? Uh, how many have ever went in your prayer closet and it seemed like the heavens were brass and it seems like that your prayers just sort of bounced off the ceiling and they wouldn't go very high? Listen, did you know that that's what bitterness can do? Bitterness will trouble you spiritually. You can't pray like you should when you're bitter. How about this? You can't use the altar like you should when bitterness is present. This altar ought to be a place where we can come and we can get help. It ought to be a place where we can come and get forgiveness. It ought to be a place where we can come and get restored. It ought to be a place where we can come and get revived. It ought to be a place we can come and get help. But the truth matter is, when you've got bitterness that's present in your heart or your life and you come to this altar, you know what it is? It's just a step. That's all it is. You, bitterness, listen, uh, you can't use the altar like you should when bitterness is present. I want to show you that. I want you to take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn to Matthew chapter 5. And I want you to find your place in verse number 21 this morning. Matthew chapter 5. And I want you to look, please, at verse number 21. Matthew chapter 5, listen, I believe I'm going to help you with something this morning, so I want you to really stay with me. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 21. Look what our Bible says. The Bible says, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. Now that was under the law, but look what Jesus said, verse 22. He said, But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a call shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Now, the Lord says this, that you know what? You're not going to be able to use the altar like you should when bitterness is present in your life. Now, I felt so strongly about this, I wanted to put that verse up on the screen, those verses up on the screen, so you could see it. I'm going to be honest with you. For a long, long time, this, these verses gave me a problem. And I thought to myself, why is it that God makes such a fuss over somebody calling somebody else a fool? Sometimes we do that in jest. I'm not sure that we should. We'll say, you fool. I'm not really sure we should do that. But, but I, I do know this. The, the Lord said that when you call somebody a fool... It's a major thing. And for years and years and years I read that and I believed it, but I didn't really understand it until this week. And God began to give, God began to give me understanding. You see, the answer to that is this. What Jesus is referencing here is the last stage of anger turning into bitterness. You'll notice verse number 22. He said, but I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother. Then word angry there means mad. It means to be provoked. Have you ever been mad at somebody? Don't answer that. <laughs> Truth matter is we can all raise our hands there. If you're married, you've been mad at somebody. All right, okay. All right, we got that out of the way. 
We've all been mad. We've all been mad at people. We've, listen, you've been mad at the preacher. Let's be honest. You've been mad at a deacon. You've been mad at a Sunday school teacher. You've been mad at a co-worker. You've been mad at a child who didn't behave like you thought they ought to behave. And you were angry. You got called down to the school or the principal's office and, and you were embarrassed and, and, uh, and, and you were angry. And the Lord's saying that, that whosoever is uh, angry with his brother without a cause is in danger of the judgment. And then he says this. He said, and whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka. The word Raka there means this. It means, oh, empty one, worthless thou. That's what that's talking about. You see how we're in a little bit of a progression here? The word, the word angry means to be provoked, means to be mad. The word raka is, is uh, I put it this, it goes from being mad to being mouthy. You're not just mad, but now you're so mad that you're getting mouthy. And so Jesus says the guy that, that calls his brother or says to his brother, Raka shall be in danger of the council. But then he says, but whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. The word fool there means godless. It's the idea of a moral sin. Now follow this because it's going to help you. You see what Jesus is referencing? Here's this. What he's referencing in Matthew 21 and verses 20, verse 22 is this. It goes from anger and gets progressively worse until it turns into all-out bitterness. And when it turns into bitterness, you know what? Just coming to an altar is not going to solve that problem. Did you know before you can come to the altar and get it right, you're going to have to get it right with that person? Amen, brother. Now, I'm not, we're not walking the aisle today and walking through the pews, but, but I, I, I want you to get this this morning. Uh, bitterness troubles you. But then number two, I wrote this down. Number two, bitterness terrorizes you. Did you know that a terrorist desires for you to live in terror? That's what terrorism's all about. They want to terrorize you, man. They want to blow things up, and they want to blow things up so you, don't go, you won't go out of your house. You don't want to go to work. You don't want to go to school. You don't want to ride the subway. I don't want to ride the subway anyway. I, uh, you, you don't want to, you know what? You want to just stay in your home. You don't want to go anywhere. You don't want to be around people. That's terrorism. That's what terrorism is all about. Did you know this morning, church, that Satan desires to do the same thing with bitterness? Did you know he wants to terrorize your life? He wants to completely change your life. He does not want you to enjoy the church experience. Do you know that? He doesn't want you to come to church and enjoy the choir and enjoy a good special like Miss Amy sang today. No, he wants you to come here and sit like a bump on a log and because you've got hardness in your heart and a grudge in your heart and God can't speak to your heart and the choir can't bless you and the message can't bless you and people, keep people can't help you. You see, he wants to totally change your life. He doesn't want you to find joy in marriage. And by the way, did you know that God created marriage? And God wants there to be great joy in marriage. And if you're here this morning and you're married and you don't have great joy in marriage, something's not right. Something's not right. You know why? It's not what, that's not how God created it to be. But you see, when the devil can bring bitterness in, and bitterness in the heart of a wife, we all, we all right this morning? Bitterness in the heart of a husband, 
You know what happened? All of a sudden, it terrorizes that marriage. Did you know that God wants the home to be a very happy place? Did you know that God wants your home to be like heaven? Man, in heaven, heaven's a place of electricity, Brother Gary. Heaven's a place of rejoicing. Heaven's a place of praising. Heaven's a place of happiness. Heaven's a place of brightness. You know, God wants your home to be like heaven. But a lot of the homes today in America, they're like hell. Hell's a place of darkness. Hell's a place of screaming. Hell's a place of selfishness. And a lot of homes are like hell rather than heaven. And the reason homes are like they are is because bitterness has come in. We're bitter against a parent. We're bitter against a child. Uh, you see, God, you see, the devil wants to terrorize you through bitterness. He wants to completely change your life for the worse from bitterness. Somebody said it like this. One day, two monks were walking through the countryside. They were on their way to another village to help bring in the crops. And as they walked, they spied an old woman sitting at the edge of a river. She was upset because there was no bridge and she could not get across on her own. The first monk kindly offered, we will carry you across if you'd like. Thank you, she said gratefully, accepting their help. So the two men joined hands, lifted her between them and carried her across the river. When they got to the other side, they set her down and she went on her way. After they had walked another mile or so, the second monk began to complain. Look at my clothes, he said. They're filthy from carrying that woman across the river. And my back still hurts from lifting her. I can feel it getting stiff. The first monk just smiled, nodded his head. A few few more miles up the road, the second monk griped again. My back is hurting me so badly. And it's all because we had to carry that silly woman across the river. I cannot go any further because of the pain. The first monk looked down at his partner, now lying on the ground moaning. Have you wondered why I'm not complaining, he asked. Your back hurts because you're still carrying the woman. But he said, I set her down five miles ago. Oh, my You know why so many Christians are hurting nowadays? Because they're still carrying that bitterness, still carrying that load, still carrying that problem. Well, somebody, preacher, somebody done me wrong, you know, 20 years ago. And here's the bad thing. The person who done you wrong, they, they forgot about it. They're not even thinking about it. They don't go to bed thinking about it. But yet, all these years later, you're still constantly uh, in captivity to that bitterness and, uh, and it's, it's, it's racking your life and ruining your life. And, and this is all I'm saying this morning. Man, why don't you just let it go? Why don't you just let it go, man? Just put it down and go and let God use you. Someone said this, no matter how long you nurse a grudge, it won't get better. You see, Christian, this is all I'm saying. We've got to decide among ourselves that we're not going to become bitter. Now, wait a minute now. Come on now. Truth of the matter is, all of us, if we want the opportunity, have a reason to get bitter for something. We've all, come on. Can we, can we admit to this? We've all been done wrong. We've all been cussed. We've all had a door slammed on our face. We've all had a family member say something to us they shouldn't have said. 
We've all had an experience when we came to church and the pastor wasn't perfect or the preacher said something we didn't think he should, he should say or maybe the deacon missed shaking our hand or maybe the Sunday school teacher, you know, said something they shouldn't have said. Listen, can we just admit, you know, we feel like maybe our parent mistreated us. That wasn't right, Mama. I didn't deserve that kind of treatment or, or, or we felt like our teenager didn't treat us right. I mean, after all I've done for them and all the money I've spent on them and all the medical bills and all the clothes and all the tennis shoes and, 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 and they're going to, and, and wait a minute now, and we, we allow that bitterness to come into our life. You know what, church, truth is, this is what I'm preaching. We can't return that evil for evil. Man, I read an interesting story. This. Let, let me give you a verse first. Do you know the Bible says in Proverbs 15:1, a soft answer turneth away wrath. But grievous words stir up anger. In other words, when somebody comes to you and man, they just fire on you, you know what? The tendency and the temptation is to fire back. If they use a, so to speak, if they use a 38 special on me, bless God, I'm coming back with a 357. Now, wait a minute now. But the Bible says a soft answer turneth away wrath. Man, I read the most interesting story this week. Andrew Jackson, who fought in the Revolutionary War, they said that Andrew Jackson, in the Battle of New Orleans, when he and his men were fighting, the British, and the British were firing on their position with cannons. Cannonballs were flying in. They said that, that Andrew Jackson took bales and bales of soft cotton, and he stacked that cotton up, and when those cannonballs would hit that soft cotton, it would keep those cannonballs from, isn't that, isn't that amazing? It would keep those cannonballs from doing as much damage because they were hitting that soft cotton. Now, what's the lesson? The lesson is this. When people do things they shouldn't do and say things that they shouldn't say and act like they shouldn't act, you know what? We shouldn't come back with some kind of a, a harsh response and, uh, well, they cussed me, I'm going to cuss them back. No, 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 no. A soft answer turneth away wrath. They shouldn't have done it, but you know what? I'm going to let it go. They shouldn't have said it, but you know what? I'm going to let it go. They shouldn't have acted that way, but you know what? Because I'm a Christian, because I'm saved, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to forget. I'm Listen, amen. I'm going to let it be like water. Amen, brother. I'm preaching good this morning whether you know it or not. I'm going to let it be like water on a duck's back. I'm not going to harbor it. I'm not going to hang on to it. Okay, they done something they shouldn't have done. It hurt me. It damaged me. But I'm going to get over it. I'm going to go forward. Listen, bitterness, if we're not careful, can terrorize you. But I want you to hear me on this last point. I said bitterness troubles you and bitterness terrorizes you. But listen to this part. Bitterness takes your life. Bitterness takes your life. I didn't know this. Maybe you already knew this, but I didn't know this. Did you know that now unforgiveness is now classified in the medical books as a disease? According to Dr. Stephen Standiford, chief of surgery at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America, refusing to forgive makes people sick and keeps them that way. Of all cancer patients, 61% have forgiveness issues. And of those, more than half are severe forgiveness issues. According to research by Dr. Merrill, uh, Michael Berry, 
Harboring these negative emotions, this anger and hatred creates a state of chronic anxiety. Now, I'm not saying that's always the case, but I am saying this. I believe, and Brother Tim and I were having this conversation, I believe a lot of the sickness we're seeing in America today is a result of bitterness. Did you know that we're a trinity? We're, we're a trinity being? You have a spirit, soul, body. And by the way, you cannot separate them. They are so intertwined, so interconnected, you can't hardly tell the one from the other. And when the physical's not right, the spiritual's not right. And when the spiritual is not right, the physical's not right. You say, oh, come on, preacher. Well, why don't we do this? Why don't we get the Bible involved? So as we close this message, we're, about, we're, we're going to be done in just a moment. As we close this message, let's use our Bibles. I want you to take your Bibles this morning quickly, quickly, and I want you to turn over the book of Proverbs for me. Proverbs chapter 17. Proverbs chapter 17. Now I want you to look with me, please, at verse number 22 this morning. Proverbs 17, verse 22. We're going to bring this to a close. I promise. Proverbs 17, 22. Look what our Bible tells us. Now, this is not just fluff. This is not just, did, did you know that God didn't need to just put filler in the Bible? In fact, there were many things that God didn't put in his Bible. There, there wasn't room, but, but Proverbs 17, 22. He says, a merry heart doeth good like a what? Like a medicine, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Here we go now. But a what kind of spirit? But a broken spirit, here it is, drieth the bones. Did you know where your health is derived from? Your bones. Absolutely. Your bone marrow. And the Bible says there, a broken spirit dryeth the bones. Now, turn back just a page and look at Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs chapter 15 and look at verse number 13. Proverbs 15 verse 13. The Bible says, a merry heart. Merry, that's happy, joyous. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. Now, wait a minute now, church. I know we're out of time, but, I, but, but this is so important that this is worth going into overtime for a few moments. A merry heart. What is that? That's spiritual. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. That's physical. What's the countenance? That's your face. A merry heart, a spiritual condition, bears witness with a physical condition. When your heart is right and your spirit is right, it's going to show up on your face. Did you know why some people never smile, never laugh, never laugh? You know why? It's not because they can't. It's because there's a spiritual condition going on. A merry heart, the Bible says, maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. And we're done. But I want you to turn over to Proverbs chapter 18 and look at verse number 14 this morning. Proverbs 18 and verse 14, and we're done. The Bible says the spirit of a man, that's the spiritual part. The spirit of a man will sustain his what? That's physical. The spirit of a man, the spiritual part of a man will sustain his infirmity. That's the physical part of a man. So the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear. Now, listen, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. That word sustain there means to contain, to contain. 
The spirit of man will contain his infirmity. Now, you know what? You can have, you can have something that's designed to be a blessing. All right? You can have an ice cold uh, a container of water or a bottle of water uh, or maybe in a pitcher or maybe in a, a spring. And you know what? You can have something that's designed to be a blessing, something that's designed to, uh, to uh, uh, encourage you and refresh you. Wait a minute now. Follow me now. But you know what? Without a container, you've got a mess. Listen, without a container, you don't have something that's a blessing. You have something that just became a burden. Because now we've got to clean it up. Now it's all over the place. We're not going to get down there and lick it off the platform. We wouldn't want to do that. That doesn't make any good sense. It's, that's, not, that's not a blessing. That's not a blessing. That's a curse. But wait a minute. But when you get a container and you pour that which was meant to be a blessing into something that contains it, now you don't have a mess. Now you got a blessing. Wait a minute now. The truth of the matter is, we all get sick. But God is saying this, if you'll keep a healthy spirit, that spirit is able to contain your infirmity. You say, preacher, I want to, I, I don't, I don't, I hope this disease don't get out of, out of control. Well, I tell you one thing you can try to do, keep your spirit right. Amen. Keep your spirit right. Man, keep your spirit right. Oh, listen, whatever you do, don't allow bitterness to come into your life. You say, Pastor, you don't know what's been done. You don't know. I was abused. I was forsaken. Uh, Mom and dad split up. Dad left. Never even said bye. I had uh, somebody in my life uh, that abused me and and did wrong, did me wrong. Okay, I, I understand. And, and, and by the way, I'm not trying to belittle that. You have my sympathy this morning, but I'm just saying this. Just because you had a bad experience, you can't allow yourself to go through life, the rest of your life, bitter. Because if your spirit gets broken, you know what? It's going to cause problems, spiritual problems, physical problems. You know what we need to do today, church? We need to deal with bitterness. We need to deal with bitterness. If you're here this morning, I don't know all the reasons God had me preach this message today, but if you're here this morning and there is the, the, the slightest amount of bitterness in your heart, your life today, you know what you ought to do? Before this service is completed, you ought to find a place down on this altar and you ought to say, God, no more. No, no, it stops today. It stops today. Can't help what, what somebody done to me in the past. I can't help what they said. Can't help what they done. Can't help how they treated me, but it stops today. I've been bitter all these years. I've had a grudge all these years. I've had hard feelings all these years, but it stops today. And Lord, I'm giving it to you. I'm gonna let you carry it. I'm setting the woman down. I'm not carrying her anymore. I'm not carrying this burden anymore. I'm not gonna be bitter the rest of my life. God, I want you to help me to have a merry heart and help me to have a healthy spirit. Now let's bow our heads this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to ask a question or two. And we're going to let you go. First of all, I wonder how many might be here today. And you'd say, Pastor, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am saved, born again, on my way to heaven, 
If you can honestly say that, would you just slip your hand up very quickly and you can take it right back down. Bless your heart. Thank you. But I wonder if there might be one here today anywhere and you'd say, Pastor, I could not raise my hand. And if I died today, I'm not sure that I'm saved. I'm not sure I'm going to heaven when I die. And I want you to remember me. I want you to pray for me. Is there one like that anywhere? You'd slip your hand up right now. You'd let me pray for you. Is there one anywhere? You'd raise it real high and let me pray for you. Can I pray for you? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure heaven's my home. I want you to pray for me. Is there one anywhere like that here today? All right. Hey, church, many are in the altar already. But in just a moment, I feel like probably... Probably the crowd ought to grow some. Maybe others ought to just make your way to the old-fashioned altar today and say, Lord, I want my spirit to be right. I want my spirit to be healthy. I want my spirit to be healthy. I want you to stand with us all over the house this morning. Father, thank you so much for this time we've had together today. God, I hope what we've said has made sense. Lord, it made sense to me, but I know sometimes it can come out a little jumbled to the crowd. And I hope it's made sense. God, help us to determine today in our heart that we will not, we will not go another day harboring bitterness in our heart and our life. God, it could be there's a husband here that has bitterness against his wife or maybe a wife against her husband. Maybe maybe there's a, a young person that has bitterness in their heart toward a parent or a parent toward a young person. God, it could be numerous things. Maybe there's somebody here today and they've got bitterness in their heart toward toward an employer or an employee. God, today, help us to deal with this thing of bitterness. Oh, Lord, it's it's a heart shot. God, it's a, it's a heart condition. I pray that you'll work in this invitation and we thank you in Jesus' name. We're just going to keep our heads bowed, our eyes closed, and if you're here this morning and you need to come, listen, the altar's wide open today man let's do business with the Lord will you come will you join all these that are already in the altar today would you come while we wait you say preacher for so many years I've had hard feelings okay but that can stop today you can walk out that door back there free You can walk out that door with a heart of forgiveness. How many knows this church? God's keeping a record. God's going to take care of what he needs to take care of. Let's just forgive. Let's make sure our spirits are right. Now you're here this morning and say, Preacher, I've never been saved. Why don't you come and let us take the Bible and show you how to be born again? Or if you're here and you say, Pastor, I've been saved but I've never followed the Lord in believer's baptism and I need to make myself a candidate for baptism, then I'm going to invite you to come, whatever it might be. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I've been saved, but I just need to rededicate my life back to Christ. I just need to, I need to do it. And you come today. We're going to pause just for a moment. Pastor's going to make his way to the main floor. And if we can pray with you or help you with a need, listen, time, listen, church, time's not that late. We went five minutes over, okay? And we're going to be out of here in just a moment. 
If you need prayer, we're here. You come today.